All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of AA Real Talk. My name is Dan. I'm an alcoholic, and I will be your host. Before we get started, I need to state that the things that we are going to discuss in this podcast come from the AA Big Book. Uh, However, my opinions and views and assertions regarding my interpretation to the things in the Big Book are not in any sense of the word correct. If something that I have to say doesn't jive with your experience, doesn't necessarily jive or line up with what is in the AA Big Book, um, please feel free to disregard it. I encourage you to um, look deeper into things and, and to work your program to the best of your ability. Um, This is absolutely just supposed to be about strength, hope, and a new experience in yours and mine recovery. Um, The next bit of business is my contact information. Um, My hope is, is that I get as many contributions to this thing as possible from other alcoholics, whether you're new, whether you're not new. that maybe we can jump on here together and talk about things together and make this a group effort. Um, So I'm going to provide an email at the end of this, and the other use for that email would absolutely 100% be to reach out and get in touch if you are struggling, if you don't have a sponsor to call, if you have a sponsor and you don't um, want to call them, or if you don't have a number to call Um, in general, uh, please feel free to use this email and I will respond as quickly as I can uh, to you and maybe we can talk some things out. Um, My email is DanSAA2020 at yahoo.com. That is DanSAA2020 at yahoo.com. Hey everybody out there in AA land, welcome back to another episode of AA Real Talk. Uh, My name is Dan, I'm an alcoholic, and today is starting out, like one of those days is just, it's starting out on the right foot, you know, it's a, like a wholesome coffee flavored uh, Sunday morning. And um, I'm kind of just uh, chilling in my apartment, no um, impending plans coming up, no, um, you know, the, the weather's changing here in Michigan and we're starting to get cool. Um, it's a little breezy, There's the, the leaves are starting to reflect the, the um lack of daylight. I don't know if you knew that, but that's what affects leaf leaf change is um I always thought it was temperatures, but it's uh I was reading a snippet from a guy named John Muir and it actually turns out that it has um it has to do with with daylight. Trees are sensitive to how many hours of sunlight they get per day. <clears throat> So there you go. That has nothing to do with AA, but um, 
anyways, um, so the last episode I kind of branched out of the forwards and we talked about um, the, the, the title of the episode was The Medical Estimate and we talked about um, Dr. Silkworth and his contributions and we talked about the two psychologists who, whose work was a major, it's a major part of um, the makeup of Alcoholics Anonymous as far as the program goes and um, I did that out of, I, I <clears throat> there's quite a bit left of the um, forward to the second edition and just in my way of, you know, trying to arrange the lights and the actors and everything else, um, I was kind of looking at, uh, you know, people who are finding this podcast for whatever reason. And the all you can see is the title, and if you, you know, in this day and age, our, our attention span, <clears throat> especially when our eyeballs are fixated on our, our, on our smartphones, um, our attention span is fairly low. And um, I think a lot of people, especially alcoholics, my friends, um, if they see forward to the second edition parts one two three four five uh or however many it would take to get through this thing um you know i think that would be i don't know i don't it doesn't matter what i think but i i've decided this morning while i was um i took my dog and we went for a little ride out through the woods and uh i was thinking about um this thing and I think I'm just going to try to marathon, like a marathon episode of um, the medical estimate, or not the, blah, 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 of, um, I'm going to try to finish this thing in one episode, the forward to the second edition, and, because um, the other thing I realized is I jumped, <laughs> of course, like a good egomaniac, you know, that I am, um, I jumped on Spotify and just kind of played myself back, and um, when I went into the gas station to get my coffee, I paused it and closed everything out or whatever, and I came back, and what I found was that it, you know, Spotify held my place for me. So, I'm going to try to marathon this thing. I was hoping to keep these episodes down to like an hour. Um, back to that, the mind will absorb what the ass can endure concept, and, um, you know, when you get over it, just, uh, I guess people can pause it and put it down and come back to it later or just you know move on um i think i'm gonna try to do one of these episodes like every other day and see how that goes um assuming that i yeah i think that's that's gonna be the plan but anyways <clears throat> so um in episode two we left off on um, the portion of the forward to the second edition where we were talking about um, the building of AA um, and the, the contributing factors of that um, by Bill W., by the by Abby, by um, 
uh, Silkworth, and um, we kind of dug a little deeper in the episode before this into the psychologists that contributed. Um, but now, now we come back to the forward to the second edition on page XVI, and we are on the second, the first full paragraph on that page, but it's like the in the middle of the page. And it starts with the word prior. So um, here we go. Uh, prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic. But he had succeeded only in keeping himself, keeping sober himself. Um, I don't, I, hopefully you're trying to sponsor people, and I think if you are, you um, you definitely know that the spirit of helpfulness, the attempt, the <clears throat> the bit of other selfness that just trying to work with other alcoholics and trying to give this thing away um, inspires is the main in. Uh, key factor in sponsorship. You don't only stay sober based on your success rate um, as a sponsor uh, because if that was the case, I think our numbers, um, the number of recovered alcoholics out there would be um, significantly less than it is. Um, I, I may or may not have this morning been fired and I may or may not have yesterday been fired um, I think I took a little more, not offense, but that weighed on me a little heavier in the first year of sobriety than it does now. It's like, all right, man, you know, go, go do your thing. If you've got this figured out, you know, by all means, but, um, that just, the spirit of other selfness and that's um you know that's that's what we're after here and that's you know that's the root of this podcast that's when you know when i'm twisted up and um i'm from a small area and that's also another big influence on why this is why i'm on this podcast and why i'm on pages trying to talk about this thing as much as i can um it's like I said in the beginning of maybe the first episode, um, you know, this thing is absolutely as much for me as it is for you because it's it's an opportunity for me to be focused on something other than me. And I'm, like I started to say, uh, from a small area, and there's not all there's not like a plethora, especially in like COVID times. Um, there's not really a, a good supply of, um, you know, sponsees who are, are, you know, new to meetings, newcomers ready to do the work. It's hard to, hard to get a hold of that right now. Harder anyways than it was prior to this. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the other thing is, is I'm big on, I'm not, I don't want to say big on, but I... My sponsor and I did jail meetings. Um, we were doing them for uh, probably about a year. And um, yeah, maybe. That, that might be off, but it doesn't matter. Um, 
those that's that's a lot of the good stuff there just going we were like seeking out these hard cases um seeking out places where you can be helpful where alcoholics are you know in need and um i think outside of jail um maybe it's different where you're at but um outside of jail it's kind of hard to penetrate that um uh like treatment centers kind of have um a lot of that on lock around here um a lot of the uh suffering you know early stages um or later stages of alcoholism people who are you know hurting and would be uh you know that windows open for sponsorship sponsorship um a lot of them a lot of the treatment centers around here have that locked up and really jail uh, to to my knowledge not that i have been excellent at digging deeper into that either but um the jail seems to be one of the only places like that where you can go in search of um sponsees outside of meetings and obviously the jail you can't get into right now either with um covid precautions but um so anyways uh moving on here um he only succeeded in keeping himself sober oh uh at this point too the the theory of one alcoholic working with another uh is still a theory um you know he wasn't sure he thought that that's where the juice was he thought that's where the good stuff was but um up to this point he's kind of still working off of what Abby and the Oxford group gave him which is um basically I think it was kind of just a pure religious um approach to this thing outside of you know the other uh, elements of AA i.e. alcoholics working with alcoholics um just to find their own means of connecting with a higher power not necessarily there's no like doctrine of of who or how god works with an alcoholic but um so this i think um and i said i think twice now and those are those are good points for you to go uh better look that up i better check that out i better maybe i better disregard this because um my sponsor always told me if you're thinking you're wrong so I had, you know, this is about growing and I don't want to seem like I am the guy with the podcast who knows everything that needs to be known. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm the guy who's trying to get a little deeper into my program via a podcast. And um, that means it's absolutely about me growing too. So I hope you don't take this as... A position of me knowing everything um enough about me uh moving on um where are we here oh okay the second sentence uh the broker had gone to akron on a business venture which collapsed leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again he suddenly realized that in order to save himself he must carry his message to another alcoholic uh, that alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician, a.k.a. Dr. Bob. Um, 
but the this business venture collapsed on Bill, and he's twisting up. You know, um, he's it, we talk about like the three S's, and um, I hope this isn't too uh, crass for anyone, but um, when trying to navigate sobriety. Um, both men and women in AA, I think the biggest challenge to put it in one of those little AA, uh, it's not necessarily saying, but like sex and checks are the biggest arenas, it seems like, where um, alcoholics can get twisted up and spiritually uh, painful, uh, whatever, you know, spiritually off and um it's part of that we've we've got this egotistical egomaniac uh esque desire to be all that we can be and to use you know money and and uh i'm gonna say relationships but you know what i mean there um to kind of validate ourselves to ourselves and um the so the last the other part of sex and checks is society and bill at once was a pretty he had society on lockdown before he got here and then um when the stock market crashed and everything else he lost that you know and um that's when things got dark and you know um We'll get into that in, in, in his story, but um, a lot of times, uh, I think in AA, alcoholics who start getting their life put back together and start rolling, you know, the, the jobs come in, the money comes in, the vehicle, the, you know, the home, the, you start building everything up, and a lot of that stuff is distracting to... Um, real deal sobriety you know we it, it would seem that we are doing good it would seem that we've got you know that these things are not that they're not god sent but um like we were talking about when we talked about uh uh you know um that theory of self and the last episode um the spiritual self is the true self and the self that, um, you know, when, well, I can't remember what it said, but when we are spiritually connected, it is far more fulfilling than any any part of the material self that is satisfied. Um, you know, when it's, it's, A, it's bound to catch up. If you never lose the house, you never lose the car, you never lose the money while well, in sobriety, um, you know, in my experience, what happens is, is my spirit starts to deteriorate and I end up looking for more of that instead of more of my program. And eventually what I find is it is so demoralizing to spend so much time chasing the girl, to, to, to chase the house, to chase you know the position at work and to find out that that has nothing to do with why you feel like garbage, you know, um, it has nothing to do with, 
you take those things away and you're left with that hole, you know? Material things are just fluff for an alcoholic and it should never be confused that, you know, that one of my, uh, I can't remember what portion of the big book it's in, but just to display the power of that, um, it's a something to the effect of let it never be said that the alcoholic must have his family back in order to recover. This is just not so. And um, this thing is not about anything external, and it's hard to explain that that includes, you know, love and, and family and all that stuff. Um, that the That's the power of the wellness that is offered here, um, despite all that other stuff that for our entire lives that we have believed to be the only route to happiness um, hopefully what we find here is that that's not true that those are routes to they can be they can be um, they can be a part of that but if those things are not brought into and rested upon a foundation of a healthy and maintained spiritual connection, um, then they are, if that's not where they come from and where they're resting, then they're resting on ego. And the alcoholic ego, mine, speaking from my experience, um, kind of is constantly going through this inflation, deflation process. And it is not... It has it, it proven to not be a stable foundation to place anything on. It's not going to uphold a, a relationship. It's not going to uphold a job. It's not going to uphold anything. Eventually, whatever I rest on my ego, whatever I comes to me based on my self-will, whatever I only stays with me because I invoke my self-will and manipulate um, eventually ends up going away. Um, I cannot live my life propelled on self-will. Okay. <clears throat> that was a long that was a long bird walk here. Uh, okay, third third sentence down. Um, he was in fear that he might start drinking again. He suddenly realized that in, sor- in, in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician. Um, I know I, I I don't know much about Dr. Bob to be a hundred percent honest. Um, I know that he kind of um, not kind of. I know that he and Bill were the co-founders, but. Um, AA number one, AA number two, but outside of that, I haven't really dug too much into Dr. Bob, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right, let's continue here. The physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. Um, we had a lot of people in AA who have sought out religion, who have um, 
you know, started going, just started going to church, started praying, started, you know, doing all this other stuff. But the missing component from that, and I, that I, I haven't read ahead yet. I mean, I've read it before, but I think what happens when Bill and Bob meet up is they realize that there is, um, it's not a, what do I want to say? The answer is not found in, in religious understanding, but it's found in spiritual action. Um, okay, carrying on here. Um, but when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness that he had never before been able to muster. Um, so, step one, right? That's that's what he just... Bill W. just 12-stepped um, Dr. Bob. And Dr. Bob apparently had some conversation with Bill about um, the hopeless state of alcoholism, mind, body, uh, spirit, the, the deadliness, the progressive. Um, over any period of time, it gets worse, never better. Um, I, that's, you know, those aren't like verbatim quotes of what they talked about. But what Bill is doing here is something that um, we kind of miss doing, I think, in AA. Um, I've been to so many first step meetings where the newcomer shows up and we, you know, I I don't even, like sometimes we break out the 12 and 12, sometimes, um, you know, uh, all kinds of crazy shit happens. And what happened, you know, event, people start the, okay, hold on. Let me have a little sip of coffee here. <laughs> so most of the meetings, first step meetings that I've been to, kind of how it goes. Somebody says, yeah, this is my first meeting ever. Uh, we start shuffling around. People are up, like, running over to the other side of the room to get the paper out, to put the phone numbers on. That get, That's getting passed around. Um, the chairperson says, this is all about you. This is about you, 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 you. And then what happens is we... They go around the room, and there might be 15 people, 20 people sitting at this table, and each one gives a a 10-minute a detailed account of everything that ever happened to them in their entire life. And by the time they get around, you can just watch these people's eyes glaze over, and they're, you know, they just they zone out, forget where they're at. And when they say, and that's, you know, the person that's sharing says, that's all I got, they kind of snap to them and they go, oh, you know, um, we really have one job in those moments, and uh, that's what Bill did with Bob. Is he outlined alcoholism, the hopeless features? It outlined alcoholism as AA understands it, because if step one is going to be taken, where they accept, admitted that they're alcoholic, like yeah, that's me. Um, what you're admitting when you're admitting that you're an alcoholic is you're admitting. Um, in AA that you have a hopeless disease that you cannot hope to recover from unless you have the, the 
I mean, you don't know that part, but, um, like, at the meeting that we're at, that, that my sponsor and I and a couple other deal doers from in town started, um, it's called, we, we, we called it the newcomers meeting, right? And, um, it's not centered in first step. It's more of just a strength, hope and recovery and hopefully linking these people up with a good sponsor. But, um, we read the, what we, what I understand to be the first step questions off of page, uh, 44 and it's something to the effect of if when you honestly want to you cannot stop drinking or if when you stop drinking you cannot stay stopped then chances are that you're an alcoholic and may be suffering from a disease which um, can only be cured by a spiritual experience right um, and I think that's that's what we need to be putting out to first step um, newcomers in meetings and I also you know, it's it's something that a sponsor should be breaking down to um, a newcomer. I've got this, and again, here we go on what I think, but I've got this this distaste for the um, whether or not they've hit their bottom or whether or not they've they're they're ready. Um, you know, talk. Uh, in my experience, you know, I I don't know what would have happened if my sponsor didn't do what he did for me. Um, in the beginning of this thing, but, um, you know, I, maybe I would have kept going. Maybe I could have, you know, maybe, you know, I could have walked away and come back. I did, who knows, but, and I don't think that there is a, a bottom for everybody. I think to my, and my understanding of my experience and what I've, you know, um, sort of heard, and this is obviously my own, my own opinion, but I think the bottom works a little more like a window, you know, there are periods of time in the later stages of alcoholism for newcomers, um, where they are in a position to be more receptive of, of what we have to offer at AA. And I think that um, like our job in those first step meetings should be to, while they're hurting, lay out how deadly, how dangerous, how progressive, how uncurable alcoholism is, you know, according to AA. And then, you know, in, in Dan's perfect world, a sponsor goes and gets a hold of him, them, her, whoever, you know, the newcomer. Somebody walks up and says, hey, I'll be your sponsor, or they ask somebody, whatever. And then immediately, while that window is open, you get them cranking on the steps. You get them cranking on work, you know, um, praying, calling every day, all of that stuff. Because, listen, there's two halves of the thing that binds me to my recovery. There's two um, forces that drove me through this thing. And one, the first one, was what I needed in order to be receptive of it. And that was my fear that I was going to die if I could not stop drinking. I was afraid that if I blacked out one more time, I might actually go with the, through with the suicide that I could not stop thinking about, right? I was deathly afraid of this thing. Fear propelled me through this. I didn't really understand or really care 
what an alcoholic was considered to be. I just I had been to AA before. It was a group of accepting people, and I I kind of thought that my sponsor might understand at least what I was going through, um, less in terms of drinking, more in terms of life. Um, but that didn't matter, you know, because the next half of what pushed me, what drove me, pulled me, whatever you want to say, through this thing was the promises that come true and that bit of feeling better that happened. Every step was like a little bit of that pain shedding off, a little bit of that, you know, that um, blackness sort of brightening up. Um, one of the biggest things is the third step. We were sitting in the parking lot and... Um, I was whirling about a girl, and I couldn't stop. Um, my head was just eating me alive in reference to her and, and our situation. And I just, I, I at that point, I didn't care. I just wanted to not be so twisted up about it. Um, third step happened in two weeks for me, and... My sponsor and I were sitting in the parking lot. We read through that part in the book, and when we got done, he's like, okay, so, um, you know, do you, you understand what's going on here? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mopey, and I'm sad. Look at him. I said, yeah, I guess. He says, okay. He says, well, that, if that's the case, he says, then your life, this girl stuff, everything that's going on that you can't deal with is no longer any of your business. And I just remember feeling like this weight, like lift off of me, you know, and I sat up, I went, ooh. Um, because that's what I wanted. I wanted to turn it over. But the, anyways, yeah, there's some fear. These people, the window was open in this point in time, and there's some fear. And um, that is absolutely the time to start pushing them through this so that they can have what I needed, which was an experience with something that had the ability to change my life. After everything that I ever tried to be different, drinking, girls, uh, better jobs, the uh, whatever, all of that, after everything that I reached out for and tried to grab a hold of that I thought would change me or make me feel better inside, I needed to have and start having I needed to start having an experience with the only thing in the history of my life to ever make me feel better to ever change me Sometimes we it sounds like in meetings we want to Make sure that these newcomers get it before they move on to their fourth step. And, you know, don't do a fifth step. So there's time. No, screw that. Why would you wait to start doing better? This is my experience, so don't. Why would you wait to start this journey? Why? There's not one shred. I, I don't want to say that, but. This is not about what you think about AA or how well you understand AA. This is a program of action. If you do it, you will get it. It's not going to be perfect in the beginning. It's not perfect for me now. But if you do this thing, if you do the work, if you, to the best of your ability, best of your understanding, if you push yourself, 
to do this thing. Ask God for help, willingness, all of that stuff. It takes no time at all to start seeing your life change before your eyes in ways that you never believed that could be changing. And I guess that's part of what fires me up about um, you know, AA and the state of things and um, that is being withheld from these people. I saw a post online the other day that, that some girl was, why can't I stop? You know, she's talking about, um, you know, relapsing and being afraid to go through DTs. And the first comment on there said, uh, you're just not ready. You're not at your bottom yet. I wanted to jump through that computer. I'm not going to say what I wanted to do, but I wanted to address that situation. It was on a less than focused um, Alcoholics Anonymous. And it wasn't even an AA page. It was Recovering Sober or Recovering Drunks and Addicts, which let me state here too that I'm cross addicted. I worked out of this book and it didn't matter that I was cross addicted. So I'm not knocking druggies at all. Um, but it was on a less than focused, you know, alcoholism recovery page, and I just didn't want to inspire a big, you know, disagreement. So I let it be. But that that poor girl, that every poor newcomer, that somebody looks them in their face and says, "Well, you're just not ready yet." That may be the case, but did you explain this to them? Did you explain the deadliness, the true, the the? Did you explain that as a recovered alcoholic? that you understand where they're at, that you know what they're going through, that you went through that at one point, that this over any period of time this gets worse, never better. Did you do that? And then did you start working with them? Did you try that before you told them that they weren't ready? Give me a break, you know. Oh. <laughs> Okay, 35 minutes in and we haven't even made it a full paragraph. Um, I think I'm still going to marathon this thing because I've got nothing better to do today. But um, thus far, all signs are pointing to probably not going to finish the forward to the second edition today either. And that's okay. Um, you know, uh, other-centeredness is the point, not necessarily anything else. Okay, long enough that my mouth shut off and I forgot where I was. Um, oh, we were talking about uh, um, Dr. Bill, or Dr. Bill, Bill W. Um, first stepping, or 12 stepping, doing a first step with uh, Dr. Bob and how whatever they, you know, whatever that conversation entailed um, inspired Dr. Bob to chase this thing with a willingness that he had never before been able to muster. Um, and then the paragraph after that was, he sobered never to drink again up to the moment of his death in 1950. This seemed to prove 
that one alcoholic could affect another alcoholic as no non-alcoholic could. That's the recipe here. Okay. That's what Carl Jung didn't have. That's what Silkworth didn't have. Alcoholism. Um, it also indicated that strenuous work, once again, the book, I pause in the middle of a sentence there, but this book does not um, make statements like this by mistake. You know, if you're wondering um, at some point in your sobriety, what am I, what's missing? It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. Um, there seems to be a the right word here demographic of people and alcoholics which I would reference as real alcoholics alcoholics that are have the condition that's outlined in the book um, that understand this that understand that working with other alcoholics is the only way that we and that I'm like the meeting makers thing, whatever, uh, you know, people who uh, spend a lot of time in the background, I think God fills in those gaps, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think the main point, real deal, the, the straight up and down of it is if we're not working to be a sponsor and to give this thing away to people who need it, then we cannot hope to keep it ourselves. Um, and this is, when we keep reading, this is going to highlight that too. Uh, Hence, the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of Akron City Hospital. Um, back to that jail thing, you know, they went looking. Um, part of this thing spreading back then too. <clears throat> was there was no competing um, methodology. There was no competing um, information out there. Uh, there was no, we didn't have to delineate um, AA from anything else because that was it. That was all there was, period. Um, and then on top of that, you know, the world of alcoholism was a big vacuum waiting for a solution to fill that spot. And when these guys found this thing that worked, um, you know, it blew right up. Um, so I think that that's, you know, a lot of numbers of, of real deal deal doers who, you know, this thing was not that it's not new for people who walk in, but I think... Now it's got this like, um, it's got a saturated feel to it. It's got an old, uh, wore out feel to it for newcomers. Um, but this thing for these people in the early days was like new and bright and shiny. And they were, I, I mean, in my head, my, you know, trying to put myself in their shoes, I can just picture like crawling into this as deep as I could because, you know, I don't want to say trendy, 
but you know it was new it was as far as your community of alcoholics go this was a a, a trendy thing we were not you know they there was disagreements in the early days but this was all there was and it was new and it was like the evidence of how amazing it was was you know in your face um Sweet time to be in, in in AA. Um, okay. Oh, the ward at the Atkins City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. He never had another drink. Uh, this work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. Um, there were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. Um, the po you know, I probably am hitting on this a little harder, and you know, I hope with everything in me that you understand how heartening that occasional success is. Um, Really, I, and like I said before, I, I have not had one successfully recovered sponsee. And, but the power of what took place in my recovery and the power of my understanding of, of my sponsor's part in that and the, you know, I don't want to get too mushy or gushy here or anything, but the bond that I have with my sponsor um, and the bond that I have with the other, you know, deal doers, the other real deal alcoholics who are doing this thing like me, that that bond, that fellowship is absolutely um, one of the main sources of fuel for me in my recovery. Um, that is big stuff. That is powerful, 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 powerful um, spiritual energy. Um, when the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. Um, a second small group promptly took shape at New York to be followed in 1937 with the start of a third at Cleveland. Uh, besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who had picked up the basic ideas in Akron or New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. Um, yeah, that just sounds like an, a recovered alcoholic in AA's dream, just this vacuum of untreated alcoholism out there waiting for a brand new concept of Alcoholics Anonymous to be there, you know? All of these people in need and, oh my goodness, the power... That's a lot of spiritual fuel out there just untapped, you know. Um, uh, by late 1937, the number of members having substantial sobriety time behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. Um you know, uh, 
we're starting to not be able to ignore the fact of um, the fact that this thing is real and it's working. Um, I even just doing this podcast, like things like that, you know, like the uh, service position or um, you know the the couple of talks that I've done or um, I did this like. I was the speaker on the sex and harm done to others um, portion of the of this four step workshop thing that we did we do in my district in the in the winter. Um, it's hard for me not to involve my ego in that stuff. It's hard for me not to um, it, it's hard for me not to involve my ego in this podcast. Um, so it's it, it's uh, astonishing for for me to think about. These guys who are really, I mean, I know the AA, we're not, nobody's supposed to be steering the boat, but these guys were steering the boat back then, you know? And when you think about the alcoholic ego and that these guys were two real deal alcoholics that were steering this boat and that it ended up being the selfless um, program. Uh, that it is based on spiritual principles of self-elimination, um, you know, and that that is our that's our code. That's our you know that's that's how that's what AA is 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 focused on you know this this singleness of purpose that they declined outside contributions that they 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 were anonymous. Um, When I subscribe to the fact that I'm alcoholic, I subscribe to the to the idea that I, me and Bill were two peas in a pod, right? And it's impressive that ego, ego stayed out of it like it did. But I suppose, like I was saying, the amount of 12-step work out there um, probably made staying out of their ego a bit um, more accessible than than I they didn't have to look hard to find other centeredness um, it was now time the struggling group it was now time the struggling group sought to place their message and unique experience before the world this determination bore fruit in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. The membership had then reached about 100 men and women. The fledgling society, which fledgling is like baby, brand new, um, not experienced, you know, it's um, something bright and shiny, um, which had been nameless, now began to be called um, Alcoholics Anonymous from the title of its own book. The flying blind period ended, and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. Um, they this thing took hold; it started to work, and they just settled on what works. I mean, we're going to find out in other forwards and later on into like Bill's story and, and Doctor Bob's nightmare stuff like that. That um, this thing has changed it has updated um over over the years since it began 
but like I said in an earlier episode, you know, AA changes because it follows its own rules. Um, the the principles which guide me in my program guide AA as a whole and how they operate, what they do. And um, from the start of this thing, this the the primary purpose has driven all of the changes you know that have happened to this thing since then um but all right i'm gonna have to pause this thing it won't be very long for you guys but um refill my coffee we're at 50 minutes here so i'm gonna refill my coffee uh take a deep breath come back and get back to it so i will be right back okay see if we can bust through another hour of this thing um we are on um we just finished um 90 of the page xvii and um we're at the bottom uh where it starts a new paragraph with with the appearance of and let's get back to it uh, with the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen. Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick, the noted clergyman, uh, reviewed it with approval. In the fall of 1939, Fulton Orsler, uh, then editor of Liberty, printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God. Um, I wonder... See, this is where, you know... Hopefully a lot of you guys out there know know about this stuff better than I do, but we read at the meeting that I was talking earlier about having started with my, my sponsor and some of the other deal doers in town. Um, we read the what is called the Wilmington Preamble, and um, I'm not going to tell you when or where it came from because I honestly don't know, but I think it was somebody, some uh, writer that was maybe NAA. Uh, he was like a sports columnist, and um, he wrote this like a synopsis-style overview of um, what AA is, and it it kind of goes into a lot of a lot of great detail. Um, it's quite a bit more of a hardline than the what the, the like the common short version of the preamble is. Um, it says things like an alcoholic is, um, you know, an alcoholic's anonymous is a an alcoholic who means to stop drinking forever. You know, um, that should an alcoholic's anonymous drink, it loses all status as, as a member. Which um, you know, we we thought about you know snipping that line, but. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that we, there's nothing that, you know, we can do for you if you do, um, pick back, pick back up and you are drunk. Um, we, we, you know, the rule in AA is that we need you to be sober before we can deal with you. Not sober, but dry at least, you know. Um, so, uh, I'm wondering if this is the same guy. It might not be, uh, Wilmington might have even been his last name. I don't know. Uh, anyways, moving on. This brought a rush of 800 frantic inquiries into the little New York office, which meanwhile had been established. 
Each inquiry was painstakingly answered. Pamphlets and books were sent out. Um, that's pretty awesome. So I don't know how many people worked in this little New York office, um, but it's just another clear example of, you know, willing to go to any lengths to help alcoholics recover um, from alcoholism. Uh, 800 inquiry, 800 pieces of mail that came in that they sat down and got back to these people, you know. Um, other self, other selfitude. Uh, businessmen traveling out of existing groups were referred to these pr prospective newcomers. So we also, um, I think we talked about AA as a side occupation uh, that you, um, you know, in no way have to, are supposed to put your whole life on hold for this thing and so these guys that were getting on planes to go do their business elsewhere um would schedule a stop with um prospective newcomers and uh do some of the deal with them um new groups started up and it was found to the astonishment of everyone that aa's message could be transmitted in the mail as well as by word of mouth oh so maybe they weren't Maybe this, maybe we just got to snail mail, see? Um, by the end of 1939, it was estimated that 800 alcoholics were on their way to recovery. Um, so, 1939, uh, four years, and we've got 800 alcoholics on their way uh, during, you know, the time of lack of communication, all that stuff. Um in the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller Jr. gave a dinner for many of his friends to which he invited AA members to tell their stories. Uh, news of this got on the world wires. Inquiries poured in again and many people went to the bookstores to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, by March 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000. So what is that? That's two years. Um, two years, and it has more than doubled itself, the membership. Um, then Jack Alexander wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. Um, a deluge is a flood. Um, I don't know, you know, I it's another thing that I'm not as schooled in as I should be is the um the traditions and um AA ought to never be, you know, I'm not even going to try to quote that stuff that because that's I I don't want to mislead you or try to, you know, my ego doesn't want me to fall on my face trying to talk about things that I don't know about. But um seems like this would fall in the lines of attraction rather than promotion um and you know same too with this podcast i'm not I, you know i didn't like share it on my facebook page um i told some folks about it on an alcoholics anonymous facebook page but that's in the spirit of of attraction not promotion that's why i um 
I think it's important for me to just let this thing do what it's going to do. Um, and I think that it is also important to keep that spirit of attraction versus promotion um, intact even when we are working our day-to-day um, program. You know, that's why we don't go screaming about this from the, from the rooftops. That's why we don't... Um, we don't, uh, you know, we're not going into the bar to find um, alcoholics who we, you know, obviously that wouldn't work. But what we do do, and this is the idea of meetings too, is um, we, uh-oh, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, no. Oh, no. <coughs> okay. Uh, sorry about that. Um, the idea of what meetings are supposed to be, I, you know, we come together, we share our experience, strength, and hope. We put the display of what is offered in AA, or we put the power of what is offered in AA on display, and we let the newcomers come to us um and as i was kind of i've i've been rambling on about um i'm feeling pretty safe in in now in what i'm saying about the difficulties that aa is faced with and the difficulties that um you know the real deal newcomers and the real deal recovered alcoholics are faced with and trying to navigate um you know recovery and helping others to recover as far as sponsor sponsee stuff goes um i think it's just it's the attraction factor is sort of muddy now um it is hard to hear this you know I, i hate saying this but like this version of aa when the other stuff sounds easier and more accessible and less involved and um you know for an alcoholic like me uh it's absolutely a a, an attractive prospect um when there is no program in place or um anything like that okay back to it um the mushrooming process but oh sorry uh by close by the close of 1941 aa numbered 8000 members um so aa had made a tenfold jump between 1939 and 1941 10 times the size that it was 2 years before Our society had entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. Um, I think this is where we get into the, you know, some of the first changes in Alcoholics Anonymous where, uh, oh yeah, that's definitely where, I'm going to keep reading. Um, The test that it faced was this. Could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? 
Would there be quarrels over membership, leadership, and money? Would there be strivings for power and for prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Yep, there would be. Um, and that's what it goes on to say. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, the the... Like I said, the spirit of Alcoholics Anonymous persists, um, you know, through individual members and as a, you know, AA as a whole. But um, I think one of the most damaging things about um, having multiple books, having multiple pro, you know, ideas of what a program is and, um, I think that it's 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 damaging to fellowship, you know. Like I sometimes in a meeting <clears throat> feel, you know, we the the people who stay with the book of Alcoholics Anonymous and stay with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and make sponsor in newcomers a primary effort in their recovery, the the main focus of what they're doing and why and um We've talked about feeling like the minority before because we absolutely are. Um, we can't get many people to show up to this meeting that we started, um, you know, a year or two ago because uh, we have sort of all identified ourselves via... Um, I'm a bad fist pounder. I have been. Um, my sponsor is pretty good at fist pounding um, at meetings. And we sort of have our uh, identified ourselves as those big book thumpers, you know. And I feel like when people are, you know, they're like looking at us. And, of course, my ego, I'm very concerned with what other people think, you know, which is not... Um, a sign of spiritual fitness but um, it feels like you know when it comes around to myself sharing or my sponsor people are just like oh here we go here comes the big book thumper let's see what he has to say and, um, the the other thing is is um, that it's kind of a you know, it's a it's a self planting seed when um, you know we get when I'm just gonna speak for myself, but when I get a sponsee, what happens is is um, you know they come in, they sit down, we start going through the big book out of the front of it um, because that's all I have to offer them is that program. I don't have anything else. I have no experience with anything else that works, and they sit in meetings where, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the thumper and everybody else kind of has a different view on what AA is and how it works and what they have to do to maintain sobriety. And so, you know, after the meeting, when we are sitting in my truck and we're talking about, um, you know, we're, we're doing the sponsor sponsee thing and I try to just um, stay focused on what we have going on and not bring to light those things unless the sponsee has questions about it that um, I try not to bring to light the junk that 
they heard. Um, the stuff. Well, I don't want to say junk. I don't want to be offensive, but the the things that they that we heard at that meeting that were of no use to alcoholics like me. Um, I try to. So what what inevitably happens is they say something like, "Oh, like so and so is saying," and I have to. And I'm not always great about being tactful about it, but I have to sort of go, um, no, not like so-and-so was saying. Um, you know, in fact, I would, I, so-and-so doesn't seem to be working a program, doesn't seem to really understand about AA. You know, um, I would disregard not only what they said, but just a, just generally, you know, um, probably disregard that um you know and then i of course i tell them that that you know hold the book and say this is this is what we do and you know this is what i do this is all i have to give you this is the only thing in my experience that works and i don't have anything else for you and so i think then what happens is 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 you know that sponsee goes home and they they they've got this choice in their minds, you know, where they can do this thing with the thumper, with the guy that everybody kind of sighs about when, you know, it rolls around to his turn to talk about what we're talking about. Um, he can do this thing the way that is, you know, um, my sponsees are, they understand that they have to call me every day that they need to be praying on their knees in the morning and at night. And that's something that we talk about when they call me every day that, that we got to talk about what happened throughout the day. Did they do, you know, um, there's a workload with, uh, that comes with being my sponsee because there is directions in the book that indicate that work has to be done. So the other way seems easier. It sounds easier. It sounds more relaxed. And not only that, but to take my program is to kind of, I don't want to say be exiled, but you're, you're not doing what everybody else in the meeting is doing. What? And, you know, it, a, for a lonely newcomer that hears a lot about fellowship from that side of the fellowship, um, of course the prospect of the easier, softer way sounds better, you know? Um, and that's what, I think that's what they were faced with and, you know, rolling back to the forward, um, in the early days was, uh, I mean, this thing was brand new. Of course there was people who had their own ideas and opinions on how to expand this thing or where it should go or what, you know, um, that, you know, how could the ego of these people, at least in some way, not be involved in wanting to be a part of the direction of Alcoholics Anonymous and want to be um, an influence or, you know, maybe they want to take it their own way. Maybe they want, you know, anything in Alcoholics Anonymous, to the best of my understanding, that is involved or rooted in or takes part in... Um, ego and egotistical intentions no matter how good they are um is doomed to failure and is is totally unhelpful um 
I don't know how many times or, or things in my life that I have ruined or people that I have hurt with the best of intentions. Because when I focus on what I want, when I try to arrange the lights and the actors and everything else, um, myself will. Just something about when I try to manipulate my life or, or, you know, in this sense, when I would try, if I would have tried to manipulate AA with the best of intentions, um, I would have choked the life out of it and it would have died. And like I was talking about on that foundation, you know, foundation of spirituality versus foundation of ego, um, whatever's built on ego is going to topple and fall apart. And um, I think that's why AA as a, as a program, the, the actual Alcoholics Anonymous has um, persisted and, and I don't want to say triumphed over because we're not in competition, but is still, you know, there's still deal doers and there's still, the program is still intact. It's just, you know, kind of buried at times. Um, but I think it's because these, you know, these egotistical things eventually over time fall and crumble apart. Whereas AA, the spiritually wrote, spiritually rooted program that is that is um, primary and purpose purpose and selfless in essence um, has persisted, and it would be it would it would be to my benefit to. Um, fully subscribe to that and uh i haven't pounded my fist at a meeting in a long time um and that's that's good there's times when i feel like it but it would be to my benefit to keep that in the back of my head while i'm at meetings and to just keep doing the deal keep sharing the deal at meetings you know um and i think that's what ultimately bill and bob and and the guys who were at the at the helm here um ended up resting on and how they directed aa to be what it became <clears throat> okay, moving on. Um, but out of this frightening and at first disrupting experience, um, the convi conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. Woof. Uh, yeah. That's that's the power here. Um, our our group, our. Um, the that the deal doers at the meeting that we started um that that's fellowship um there's a where is it that's and and make no mistake you know fellowship is an absolutely necessary part of recovery that's what um you know there the it's not i don't think fellowship is something that can be really sidestepped um for an alcoholic trying to recover an aa uh but like I was, I started to say, um, the deal doers at, at the meeting, we've got this, this bond of coming from the same nightmare and recovering from, uh, it's a less in depth example of the bond that I have with my sponsor. Guys that were hurting like me for the same reasons as me that had their life changed by the same thing that I did that have to continue to um, work their programs if they're going to stay recovered. 
that um, and, and the challenges that arise it, that, that we kind of have the same answers to navigate um, through sobriety you know the the issues that crop up in life when we talk about dealing with them and it, it's always out of the same book you know uh, there's a line in the book I, I'm absolutely sure that you are aware of it but um, somewhere in the book it says um, the cement that binds us would not be you know half as powerful if all that we had was a common experience in alcoholism um, the AA would be nothing if we did not have a common experience in recovery um, on top of that and uh, that's what we're talking about here you know I can go down to the bar and, and find alcoholics. I can go have some fellowship with alcoholics at the bar, right? Um, plenty around, plenty that I can go talk to who would uh, who would uh, probably totally understand, you know, what I have to say about alcoholism, and that's great. That is that you know, um, but I'm not at the bar talking to these people. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm with people who got better. The people who contribute contributed to me getting better i am grounded in the common solution common program of recovery with these people and that is a totally different animal one of the biggest problems in my life was that i had this underlying sense that um i was less than i was apart from that uh i didn't belong and that really drove me and steered me through life towards alcohol you know there's i not speaking for anybody but i think a very big majority of alcoholics and alcoholics anonymous understand what i mean by that and who understand that that it is big power to feel that melt away as a result of recovering in alcoholics anonymous with other alcoholics who felt that and it sheds away too for them you know um, I don't feel lonely anymore. I don't feel like there's nowhere I belong. I can go places where I don't feel like I belong. And, you know, it's not that it's a conscious thought, but in the back of my head, I've always got my 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 sponsor. I've always got those guys. I've always got, you know, I'm pushing towards, I want, you know, sponsees, stuff like that. It's This is a lot bigger than we give it credit for in meetings. Um, okay, um, had to hang together or die separately. Oh, man, we had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. Um, I hope your AA community is good and you kind of are like, what is this guy bitching about? But um that is a that is a statement which if i think about it too hard and initially when i looked at it kind of inspires fear um we had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene um the meeting that we started started because of the fist pounding because we you know going to meetings was no longer um spiritually uplifting you know we were watching the clock and being angry the whole time and 
hearing things that we felt like we had to correct or not correct, but kind of, uh, you know, address when it got around to us to, to share. And there was, there was days, I mean, not days, there was a long time there where, where I left meetings more upset than I was, you know, uh, it wasn't a, a healing thing to go to a meeting. Um, but the the diffusion in the fellowship is kind of what inspired us to go and like fine if you guys want to do that okay fine whatever um it's been really healthy for all of us to sit together and to share our common you know program to to um, have a place where the fellowship is totally intact. You know, there's no different programs going on. Everybody's on one page. And um, I think that's kind of how AA is is surviving this stuff is like sidestepping and, um, you know, just relocating if we have to. That's okay. You know, do your thing, but we're going to do the deal over here. Um, as we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic... Oh, awesome. Um, as we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to involve the principles by which AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. Um, you know, I, I think I've said it maybe probably once in every episode um, that AA follows its own rules, that I have a set of rules and AA has grown and changed out of the same set of principles and rules. Um, it was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society, uh, that leaders might serve but never govern, that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. <coughs> um, there were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be at least possible organization to be the least possible organization even in our service centers. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. Um, and in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make alliances, or enter um, public controversies. Um, yeah, so that, that, I mean, obviously those are all like, uh, very well-known concepts in Alcoholics Anonymous, but um, also if when 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 speaking in turn, like I said, you know, this is a program of of um, this isn't a self-help program. This isn't a self. Uh, this is a program of self-elimination, right? Um, the idea that drives the spiritual principles of Alcoholics Anonymous is sort. It's it's like a um, addition by subtraction thing right so on this level where we're talking about endorsements alliances uh promotion the 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 extra stuff you know that could go on um doesn't and um the reason for that is the same reason and principle behind why we are a anonymous and and be um, 
I guess what I want to say is why we are um, why we have a primary purpose and the rest of that doesn't matter why my last name my status and none of that matters um, that in AA is healthier when we drop all of that stuff and I am spiritually healthier when I drop as much as I can about me outside of you know Alcoholics Anonymous the more that I can eliminate from me, the less chance there's going to be of opposition. Um, when I sort of navigate my life via the channels that are open to me, by what seems right, by what um, God brings into my life, I am not meeting resistance. I am not meeting, um, there's no, you know, the, the controversy and the, it's not, it's not a present or guiding factor anymore, you know. Um, I, and that's like perfect program talk, but I, and I don't work a perfect program, but the, the closer that I can get to the principles presented in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, the, better peace, serenity, happiness, joyousness, freeness, um, the more of that that I'm going to take from this, and uh, thus the better chance I'm going to have at staying sober. Um, it's cool that they kind of outlined that alignment of Alcoholics Anonymous principles for the both the entity that is Alcoholics Anonymous and for um, the individual member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, <clears throat> this was the substance of AA's 12 traditions. Okay, moving on. Uh, sweet. Which are stated in full on page 561 of this book. Uh, though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. Um, I think, Bill, I, this is this is I think this is uh, this is like calling to memory something that I heard in a talk. Um, but I think Bill at first had a hard time. Um, there's like a long version somewhere, maybe, I, I don't know, but there's like a long um, version of the traditions that Bill put out there that I don't know whether it was like written down and established as a whatever. But, um, you know, people didn't want to do the, uh, the homeworky, they didn't care about all that, what, you know, AA and blah, 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 this is all... Um, you know, they just wanted to go to meetings and to share and to, you know, to help alcoholics, blah, blah, blah. But um, the principles are held in place to keep AA alive. And I've also got this other theory that Maybe if the what I don't know what was taken out, that would be something to look at. But um, you know, Bill took them out so that people would stop rolling their eye, you know, stop like huffing and puffing over it. 
um, to my understanding. Okay, so one of those this is one of those parts where you should disregard or look up uh, or into further. But um, I think when he shortened these things, um, it sort of dealt a little blow to AA because I think that what um, seems like general concepts in AA that we can find in the tradition seems like it would kind of keep some of this non-AA stuff from happening. Um, you know, and not only that, like the handiness of um, opening statements at a meeting, um, like ours, we just, we, we run through a list where it's like, um, turn your phone off, no shares longer than five minutes, uh, you know, focused on the topic of discussion, um, you know, and we wrap that up by saying it is the chairperson's responsibility to address these things if they should be become distracting or disruptive to the meeting. Um, in the same idea with the principles, if those were just laid out there and made understood, then you, there's not really a place to argue. Um, who's right, you know, or maybe not who's right, but there's there's just no place to argue. We stated that that's what this is. If you you know, want to do something else, which is totally fine, you're going to have to go elsewhere. Um, okay, this was the substance, widely accepted by 1950, first confirmed in our, okay, so at the bottom of page, oops, um, bottom of page XIX, uh, Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. So let's look up asset, okay? The unit, unity is an asset according to Bill W. right here, right? Um, <clears throat> I just want to see, you know, he says that unity is an asset, and I like to look up these words because I want to know... So, I think Bill just had a good understanding of the literal definition of words, and um, I think this would be a really good, good chance to make a point. Um, if my computer will load, um, you know what? I can cheat here. I'm gonna go on my phone. And look up asset. Okay. Um, a useful or valuable thing, person, or quality. Huh. What the heck do you know? What the heck do you know about unity? Today, the remarkable unity of AA... is our greatest, most useful, most valuable thing, person, or quality, according to the definition of asset. That's what unity is in Alcoholics Anonymous, according to the forward to the second edition. I somehow doubt that between the second edition and the fourth edition, they changed their minds on that. Stick together or die separately. 
While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of Alcoholics Anonymous grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there were two principal reasons, the large number of recoveries and the reunited homes. These made their impressions everywhere. Okay, that's, that's rolling back to the, the way that AA um, displays itself in regards to every aspect of AA is attraction, not promotion. Look at what is the result of what we're doing here, regardless of what you think or what you interpret Alcoholics Anonymous to be. doesn't matter. Look at what's happening. Look at the proof. Um, these made their impressions everywhere. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. So half of the fellowship got it. Half of the fellowship uh, did what I think most of the other real deal alcoholics that I know, they, they came, pieced out, and came back and got it. Um, and then, so that would leave 25% that would that were, you know, they were getting better. <laughs> they are doing all right. Um, the other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. But great numbers, great numbers about, goodness gracious, but great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. Another reason for the wide um, for the wide acceptance of AA was the ministration of friends, friends in medicine, religious, religion, and the press, together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Um, so I had kind of thought that, you know, I had spoken to that being eliminated earlier, but I guess it's not really, um, eliminated. There are like, um, you know, obviously the doctor is going to give you the AA pamphlet, um, psychiatrist, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of places that push alcoholics that are in a spot that might be less useful than AA. They push people to AA. Um, I not so much at the level of press anymore, but um, <clears throat> like I know Dr. Drew is, regardless of my distaste for celebrity rehab, um, I have heard him speak on podcasts and, and a few different things um, in the past couple of years that would indicate that he is a very good friend of AA. He pushes alcoholics toward AA. Um, he is, he's, he's maybe... Um, without like contributing to AA, I think he's as close as we can come to the Dr. Silkworth of our day and age. Um, expensive and absolute authority on alcoholism and drug addiction in the medical world. And um, he, I heard him talk on, this is another level of press, I guess, but he was on um, a podcast called Armchair Experts with Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard. Um, you can find the episode, uh, just look up Armchair Expert or whatever it's called with that shepherd. And um, the interview slash talk with, with Dr. Drew, um, he was really hammering on um, 
the no BS approach to working with an alcoholic um, and kind of that <clears throat> he understood that that's just how it has to be. You can't pull punches with, with newcomers, you know, and um, not that I think that that's the only way, but you have to be ready to tell these people the truth and when they're kind of acting, um, when they're moving away from receptivity, you have to be prepared to let them know. You know, which doesn't, it doesn't always sound nice. It's not, you know, there's, you, you um, I do subscribe to the idea that bury, uh, baby an alcoholic, you bury an alcoholic. That's, I, I totally believe that. Um, uh, so, moving on. Uh, I gotta find where we were again. Um, innumerable others who became our able persistent advocates. Um, without such support, AA could have only made the slowest progress. Some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found uh, further on in this book. And that's why we, um, the medical, and actually a little bit of religious with William James, but that's why um, that's why I wanted to push into validating you know, the realness of expertise that was contributed uh, to Alcoholics Anonymous because it's, you know, like I would spend a whole episode talking about, it's not a fairy tale, you know. Um, this is real science that contributed to this, you know. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. We are a spiritual program of action. It didn't, uh, I flowed into that a little too well. It doesn't say that in the book, but it says Alcoholics is not, Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization, period. Um, and I added that we are a spiritual program of action that you can pray to whoever you see fit. And as long as you follow the spiritual guidelines and you work with other alcoholics, you may remain sober. Um, neither does AA uh, take any particular medical point of view, though we cooperate widely with men of medicine as well as with men of religion. Um, alcohol being no respecter, being no respecter of persons, uh, we are an accurate cross section of America and in distant lands, the same demographic evening up process is now going on. Um, by personal religious affiliation, we include Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Hindus, and a sprinkling of Muslims and Buddhists. More than 15% of us are women. Um, it works for everybody. Uh, it works if you work it. If you do this thing, it doesn't matter what your does the religion, all that stuff doesn't matter. If you do this, you get it. Um, at present, our membership is pyramiding at the rate of about twenty percent a year. So that's um, that's an upside down pyramid, obviously. Uh, so far, upon the total problem of upon the total problem of several million and okay, blah, blah. Starting over. Last sentence that starts on XX. Um, so far, upon the total problem of several several million actual and potential alcoholics in the world, we have made only a scratch. 
in all probability we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the alcoholic problem and all its ramifications. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, there's, there's so this, as far as like a, an attitude of gratitude here, you know, there are so many alcoholics out there that live and die without ever walking, passing the threshold of a door into a meeting. There are so many alcoholics out there who live and die and never know that they're alcoholics. There are, there are alcoholics who need this shit desperately come into AA and cannot get honest enough, cannot, um, they can't get it. They die. They go out of the room, they, they, you know. If you're here, if you're recovered, recovered alcoholics in AA is the smallest demographic, smallest percentage of us, of, of smallest percentage of the makeup of Alcoholics Anonymous, period. The next smallest number of, of sections of Alcoholics Anonymous are people who get here and don't get it. And then the biggest number out there is the number of alcoholics who live and die without ever acknowledging, knowing, or understanding, believing that they are alcoholic and they die without ever opening a book, ever hearing, you know. That's still the biggest number out there. That's a conjecture. I somehow don't believe that the percentage of people who walk into meetings and who do AA or any of that is bigger than the percentage of alcoholics out there who just never never have the opportunity. Upon theory, but too much coffee. It's a good thing that we are almost wrapped up here. Um, upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Okay, so uh, we're not going to say that there isn't something else that works out there for you. For alcoholics, AA does not claim to own the copyright on a recovery method for alcoholism. Um, yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. Hmm. We got it done. Second edition is out of the way. High Road to a New Freedom. Uh, uh, pretty beautiful description of what we can find in this book. Um, it's amazing. The process of Alcoholics Anonymous as is is an entity from start to where we're at now is, um, you know, it's like this bubbling cauldron of miracles that keeps growing and, and getting bigger and better. Um, and I hope that I'm making, I'm not like hammering too hard on um, 
what I and some others um, understand uh, to be adversity in the face of alcoholism, to be the distracting elements that are sort of taking over AA. Um, I hope that's all in my head, you know, um, and kind of have to, yeah, it'll, it'll be all right. It'll, it's going to survive. It's going to make it. Um, but it's also important for the deal doers to keep doing the deal. If, if that's going to be the case, you know, um, I don't think it is our job to correct anyone at meetings, but it is our job to display what we have. And um, I don't think that's too hard for a recovered alcoholic who has this stuff to put something attractive out there to a real alcoholic who needs something, you know. Um, okay, so the that worked out all right um i feel like maybe we sped through the second part of that a little bit but um you know i'm sure if you're on this podcast reading you know listening to forward to the second edition part two um chances are that you're pretty familiar with the book so i'm not i'm just not going to worry about that too much but um you know it's been really good for me to get into this and to and to dig into it deeper sentence by sentence paragraph by paragraph um to be more involved with the thing that saved my life is never a bad deal um anyways so we are at the end of this marathon quote unquote episode and i close this thing out with the third step prayer which is on page 63 in your big book and um as I pray, you are more than welcome to read along or to pray along with me. Um, I hope you do. Um, here we go. God, I give myself to you to do with me and build with me as you see fit. Please relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Please take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your love, your power. In your way of life, may I do your will always. Amen. All right, I uh, out there in AA land, I'm going to close this thing out. I got nothing else for you today. Um, as always, I've had a blast doing this. If you're uh, if you're doing the deal, keep doing the deal. If you're if you're not doing the deal, get back to it. And if you have never done the deal, start doing it. It's never the wrong time. Um, if you're struggling, call your sponsor. If you don't have a sponsor, call someone else from the program. If you don't have any phone numbers, get online and start listening to some AA. Start getting out of your own head. Go find someone to help. Break into the book and read a little bit about the hope, strength, and experience that can be found in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's all I got for you guys today. Peace and love.